0: Hey, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and of course, I'm Ed Stetzer, and happy to come to you this and every Saturday at this time. We hopefully have conversations that encourage you, do what the writer of Hebrews says, uh, provoke one another to love and good deeds, and more. Let me also remind you, too, if you find these conversations helpful, and uh, maybe you're working on your in your garage on a Saturday, and you're like, well, you know, I, I don't always be able to hear them on Saturday. Well, here's the great thing. You can actually go to edstetzerlive.com, and they on the, uh, you can eventually get over the Moody Radio site or the Moody Radio app. And you can actually subscribe to these conversations um, basically through uh, through podcasting, right? So we had a great conversation last week with George Yancey, uh, open conversations about race. Uh, he's got a new book on that. Before that, we had An- An- Anthony Bradley from King's College talking about heroic masculinity. Before that, we had uh, Walking Daily with Jesus. I and mean, we have a great array of programs and resources for you. Um, and, you know, it's not just not just terrestrial radio. They are super thankful that so many of you listen on over, I guess, 150 outlets across the country from from uh, from New Hampshire down to Southern California, from from the Pacific Northwest down to down South Florida. We're so thankful for you. Um, but at the same time, we want to encourage you to engage the content. You can do that through a lot of different ways. So, so again, thanks for listening to Ed Stetser Live. But also, feel free to subscribe to the podcast. So, I was actually uh, one. Th- sometimes when I'm doing Ed Stetser Live, I actually do it on or from the road, and and do that because you know I travel and and uh, I sometimes I speak at churches or or conferences or things of that sort. And so, um, so I'll set it up. For example, I mentioned a couple weeks ago I had Tom Holiday. We did that live from the K Wave Studios there and. Southern california, and they 're one of our partners, and we got to broadcast you know from there and but sometimes we 'll be on the road and so I had a wonderful, wonderful plan to be on the road with my guests today. We were actually going to be well, we were both in Puerto Rico so we 're in Puerto Rico. I was there speaking to uh, the Send Network church planters and super excited to uh, be able to share with some church planters there and I wanted to spend some time. With a friend uh, and in on the on the island of Puerto Rico and and did indeed do that, but then I was supposed to be at my last Sunday at New York City, where I was the interim pastor of Calvary. Many of you may know Calvary across the street from Carnegie Hall there Steve, Stephen Olford, kind of the former pastor people might know well. Everything sort of fell apart with a big storm and I had to leave early and so we weren't able to do the recording and so or the live broadcast actually. So I am so super excited to to bring to you today one of our a Moody Radio author, be a Moody Publishers author and let me tell you about him. His name is Dan White, Jr. He's planted and pastored in rural, suburban, and urban churches for the last 20 years. He's a church planning strategist with something called the V3 Movement. And what's fascinating is, and I've had him written, write about this for me in other places, but he's uh, coaching cohorts through an 18-month uh, missional training system. He's He co-founded what's called the Praxis Gathering, which is a yearly conference that equips practitioners, uh, in the hands-on work of following Jesus deeper into local places. He's written several books, but the thing we're going to talk about today uh, is one of those. This book is called Love Over Fear, uh, Facing Monsters, Befriending Enemies, and Healing uh, Our uh, Polarized World. Long, long subtitle, but I love the the, the focus here, Love uh, over fear. So, Dan, thank you so much for uh, well, for first being patient with me when I was in Puerto Rico. We didn't do the show, and now joining us here on Ed Stetzer Live.
1: To be with you, thanks. Sir. Oh, we
0: had that. That did not go well, okay. brother. That 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 signal is not working for us right there. So I'm not quite sure what's happening. We have Dan on uh, on a device that sometimes we might have some internet issues there. So I'm going to check over to Ryan, and Ryan's going to give him a call and see if we can pull you on there. Just so you know, uh, Dan actually is uh, is down like in Puerto Rico, but not just in Puerto Rico. You've been to San Juan maybe or things of that sort, but where Dan is located is he has launched a retreat center. And it's a retreat center that's um, sort of on the side of the island. What would that be? The eastern shore of the island. I've actually spent some time there and love what they're doing. They actually bring pastors and leaders in to sort of walk through you know, kind of the journey of restoration. It's a, it's a challenging and a hard time, but the center's called the Kaneo Center. And uh, like I said, I was there, got to see some of what they were doing. And it's, uh, it's, it's, a, beautiful, it's a beautiful location. And I wanted to tell that story uh, a little bit about it as well. So, Dan, I think we've switched you to phone line. Can you hear me now?
1: I can hear you. Great. Can you hear me?
0: I can, Dan. Good. So, th- first of all, thank you so much for coming on and joining us on the program.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. I'm sorry about the internet connection. I am in uh, in the mountains, and it gets a little bit get a little bit hairy up here.
0: Well, I have, of course, I've been there to the Kneio Center. When we were switching you over, I was telling them about the Kneio Center, and that your uh, your internet may not be as as I some of the, you know, we take these things for granted, you know, you'd be able to log on and just go wherever. But I'm glad the phone's working great and we're glad to connect with you. But since we mentioned the Caneo Center, we're gonna we're gonna talk again about Dan's book. We're gonna talk some about his theme, Love Over Fear, Facing Monsters, Befriending Enemies, and Healing Our Polarized World. But um but tell me tell folks a little bit about the Caneo Center, where you are and what you do.
1: Thanks for the question. Uh, The Caneo Center was formed a little over a year ago uh, to address the the epidemic of ministry leaders who are wounded and weary and in need of recovery. Uh, So we uh, opened a a tropical mini resort uh, in Puerto Rico, and there's training and development. And uh, we opened a year ago, and we have been... um, I guess sadly booked solid uh, since we opened Uh, ministry leaders from all over the country, uh, from all denominations are coming and they're coming exhausted, um, confused and hurt and seeking some discipleship and development so they can recover their joy uh, as a ministry leader. And so that's what we, we do here at Keneo.
0: Yeah and it it seems that all around us people are are struggling. You know I was speaking um in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee the other day and um with the Wesleyans, the Wesleyan Heartland gathering and and I shared, you know, some of the challenges and someone came up to me afterwards and said, you know, it just feels like the world's just on fire. Everything everything is conflicted mm. and more. And if you watch if you watch news, you know, and and you know, it's not only the division in our country, but just war and and, you know, millions of people have slipped back yeah. into extreme poverty during the pandemic. I mean, it's a really challenging time. And a lot of people are fearful and divided. I, I, I sometimes say that so many yeah. people are being discipled by their cable news choices. They're being spiritually shaped yeah. by their social media. Um, and you wrote this in your book. Your book came out just in 2019. So just before uh, 2020, yeah. which I think was probably the, the, a remarkably uh, divided time, but um, but in, in, in God's providence, you had already kind of written and thought about some of these things. But you know, we were plenty divided in 2019. So tell us where where the book came from and what's your hope through the book, Love Over Fear.
1: Yeah, so the book came out of my local context uh, as a pastor at a church in upstate New York. Um, it probably seems like such a uh, far away time now, but we had a significant division in our church around the Romney and Obama election. And uh, it split and created um, a lot of division, um, a lot of heat, and a lot of disgust between people around who they would vote for and who they shouldn't vote for and who should vote and who shouldn't vote. And um, it all climaxed um, with at, at one point, I had a, a dear woman who um, we loved in our church. She came forward one Sunday and told me she had to leave because she didn't feel safe knowing that we're, there were liberals in our church. And then uh, almost as if it was staged, I had a couple come, for, come to me right after her and say they had to leave because they couldn't be in a church with so many conservatives. And mm-hmm. um, this, I didn't really know how to deal with that. I didn't know how to bring healing and renewal, and I didn't know how to bring people together. Um, it, was a, it was a new challenge for me as a, as a leader. And so I went on a journey of trying to figure out how to disciple people to not react and attack uh, or avoid, but move towards um, what I think is the way of Jesus. In a Christian community, that's going to have some diversity politically. How do you how do you enter into that space without just um, throwing arrows at each other? So I went on that journey, and the book was, was birthed out of that um, that discipleship work for us.
0: Yeah, yeah, published at uh, at Moody Publishers, our, our partners here at Moody Radio, and and really um, kind of leading up to a conversation that we're going to have today. And it's called, again, the book is called "Love Over Fear: Facing Monsters, Befriending Enemies, and Healing Our Polarized World." You know, it, it's almost I, I wrote a book in twenty, started writing in twenty sixteen. I sat down with my publisher, and they they said, "Ed, we want you to write a book." And we were talking about topics. I said, "Why don't you go with a book on outrage?" And this was twenty sixteen, which was the mm-hmm. election when everyone was divided over. And I, I I said to them, um, well, you know, I'm not sure people are going to be still be outraged. It's going to take a year for me to write the book, and uh, and <laughs> it's going to take a year for uh, to go through the publishing process. You know how that's like. Um, and so they their their response was, well, let's see. So I, I wrote the book and I in 2018 was pretty outraged and 20. 20, 2019 was pretty outraged when your, your book came out, 2020. And I want us to kind of have a conversation and actually open it up to our callers as well about how do we walk through some of this division? You, you use terms like monsters, enemies, and polarization. Uh, I want to invite our calls to 877-548-3675. Maybe you've got questions about how to build those bridges in divided times. Uh, 877-548-3675. We're going to continue our conversation with Dan White. Love over fear, facing monsters, befriending enemies, and healing our polarized world. As believers in Jesus, we know our citizenship on earth is actually temporary, but the days can be challenging navigating a world in cultural decline. A.W. Tozer brings help and encouragement in his book, Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. He tackles the how-to of confronting and battling worldliness while we live in anticipation of heaven. Be better equipped to take on each day. Read Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. Your copy is at MoodyPublishers.com. Hey, we're we're back. It's Stetzer having a conversation. It's Stetzer Live I'm having a conversation with Dan White, and so super excited about what it means to kind of walk through some of the divided times that we're in. We're talking about his book, "Love Over Fear: Facing Monsters, Befriending Enemies, and Healing Our Polarized World." Um, the subtitle, you know, I, I know that folks at Moody Publishers they don't they don't just like casually throw together these subtitles. So tell us a little bit about facing monster. Who are the monsters? How do you befriend the enemies? And what's the healing? Talk about the subtitle a bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it's a long, it's a long subtitle, but it really does reflect um, what I think is at work when it comes to um, what is polarizing us. So, uh, facing monsters was that as we were beginning to try to get at the root of uh, why people couldn't even stay at the table, talk to one another, why they demonized one another, they actually started to see each other as monsters, um, and we kind of know this as kids that when we're uh, sleeping at night and it's dark, we start to imagine that there's a monster under the bed. We start to ruminate, create scenarios, and then we, um, we visualize that a monster is actually going to eat us. And um, as we become adults, uh, we do the same thing, but not around, the, around uh, sleeping in the dark, ho- hopefully not, but it's around people. We begin to scenario uh, assume, um, fill in the blanks. And we start to see people that that are human as potential monsters that are going to threaten us, uh, harm us, eat us, take something away from us. And that makes conversation, uh, makes moving towards people really difficult when you think that they're a monster. Now, people would certainly use that language to describe one another, but they use all kinds of other language to, uh, you, you've, you've actually brought some of this up in your book, outrage, but uh, just the way that we explain one another and and then um, see each other as as villains, and so uh, that's where that word came from. And in in my work, I realized that adults were acting quite childlike when it came to the way they were relating with people that are unlike them. So hmm. that's where that you yeah. know that came from.
0: And you know, a lot of that, you, you, you know, was, you mentioned came from a political conversation. But I mean, there are places we're going to disagree with one another. I think when we were hanging out, I think you and I probably disagree on some things. And, you know, you didn't, yeah. you made a wonderful, we had a wonderful sandwich there at the Caneo Center and you didn't throw anything at me. Um, and it was actually funny to a <laughs> little, little background. So we, we'd actually, um, we, we had a plan. We had a wonderful time out. We were going to plan, uh, with the whites and the Stetzers. Donna was there with me. And, um, so that that day, I got a phone call because the people that I do done the training with the day before, I got a phone call that the guy sitting next to me. Uh, the whole time there, in when I was doing the meeting, uh, he tested positive for COVID, and so I was, oh no! So, so I called up Dan and said, like, "Well, listen, uh, we just yesterday, so we were cautious, but but we also, you know, we we had we had we talked about a lot of things where we share a lot of passion and opinion. Some places we disagree. I mean, man, people disagree about politics. So how how does yeah. this? I mean, you wrote that in that context. How does it relate?
1: Yeah, so. Uh, The issue isn't that we're going to disagree. Um, We see disagreement throughout the entire New Testament. We see disagreement amongst the disciples. Uh, There's disagreement theologically and politically. The issue isn't, are we going to disagree? It's, what do we do when we do disagree? Um, Do we demonize one another? Uh, Do we have contempt for one another? Um, This is the problem we're facing right now within the church is, I'm not sure we've been discipled in how to disagree. Um, and in many ways, you said this earlier, which I think is helpful, we're being discipled by the culture war um, and how to disagree. And we know what that looks like. It's, it's to, um, to villainize your enemies, to, to exaggerate them, to not see them as human, and then to, to banish them. And uh, we're seeing this carry over into the church. Um, there's there's you know, quite a bit of research, but I experienced this actually in my local church, this thing called political siloing. And political mm-hmm. siloing is that we no longer can actually be near people that disagree with us. We silo away with people that are like ourselves. And so more and more churches uh, that are, are not having kind of any mix or any crockpot of difference in their church because people are separating from one another. And I think that's mm-hmm. sad. I don't think that's the way of Jesus. Um, I don't think Jesus actually modeled that approach to disagreement. So... It really is how do we disagree?
0: Um Okay. I want so. I want you to unpack that some, but I, but I want to open up to our callers too. So uh want you to give us a call. We're talking about, you know, some ways do we disagree? We're we're framing it around the conversation about uh, about Dan's book, Dan White's my guest, Love Over Fear, the subtitle Facing Monsters, Befriending Enemies, and Healing Our Polarized World. Um, wanna take your calls. Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. That's again eight seven seven 548-3675. We're going to go to our first call. One of my favorite places, by the way, Chattanooga, Tennessee. I wasn't far. I was in Tennessee just this week. So anyway, Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're going to go to Jessica in Chattanooga. You're live on the air, Jessica. What's your question or your comment? Are you there, Jessica? Oh, I don't think we have Jessica. Okay. Well, no worries. Um, we'll, we'll come back to those calls again, 877-548-3675. So, so again, so big part of the theme is learning even to disagree. Um, you know, and, yeah. and yet. You know, this is not, I mean, if you drive across the country listening to talk radio right now, I'm not talking moody radio, uh, but if you drive across the country listening to most talk radio, it literally uh, weaponizes and monetizes disagreement. Getting people mad, calling up, makes people call back, makes people listen when they get mad. So we got a whole lot of work against us. So how would that, Mm. what does that look like in your understanding? You say the way of Jesus, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's two things at work there that we need to uh, focus on is first, what is under, uh, what's at the root of why we disagree so poorly? And I really think it's fear. And obviously that's in the the title of the book, but at the root of the way that we disagree is this um, deep seated fear that controls us. And uh, scripture is, Got so much work done on fear. 365 times the scriptures tell us uh, not to fear, um, and Jesus 40 times in the in the in, in the gospels tells us not to fear. There's God is addressing this uh, emotional, neurological, physiological response we have when we face others or someone else. Uh, we move towards a, a an allergic fear and. I don't think um, a lot of Jesus followers are aware that that's working upon them. That that is actually what is overriding their ability to be still um, and to listen. I'm um, we'll talk about compassion. Um, there's, you know, God has made our bodies this way, but when we move towards quick fear, um, our amygdala, which is a uh, kind of the primal part of our brain, emotionally floods our prefrontal cortex, and our prefrontal cortex is responsible for active listening and forgiveness, um, and uh, carefulness, it overrides everything that's best about us, and we just are living in fear. And so the first part of, uh, I think, addressing moving towards better disagreement is to be able to recognize when we're letting fear cast out love, when we're letting fear um, blind us and um, surge upon us. Um, And fear comes in all kinds of different Packages, right? It comes with when someone we feel like someone is going to uh, take one of our rights away, or when we feel like someone is going to educate our kids in a way that we don't want them educated. Some of these are legitimate um, concerns, but when we are emotionally flooded in fear, um, we treat people as monsters, and we're unable to actually move towards a place of conversation. So that's the first. That's the first piece, um, Ed. I I'm so. I think one of the pivotal texts in, in uh, the New Testament is 1 John, where it says, perfect love casts out fear. And right before that, it says that God is love. And so when you, when you understand the journey of that text, fear actually casts out God. If fear casts out love, then it's actually casting out God, the presence of God, our attunement to God's Spirit. Um, and so I, 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 I'm longing for the people of God, to actually uh, carve out a different pathway than being conditioned to be afraid and to respond in mm-hmm. fear whenever we hear something that uh, that lights us up or triggers us or offends us.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, let me again invite people to join us in the conversation we're having today. Is um, and We're talking about, you know, how do we love over fear, right? 877 548 3675. Let me mention, too. That we have some copies of Dan's book for our amazing callers. It's not just like calling up and ask for a copy, but you have a great question or a comment. We'd love to share with you a copy uh, of the book, and 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 we have about five copies. Love over fear, facing monsters, befriending em- enemies, and healing our polarized world. Let's go first to Ron in Jasper, Alabama. Uh, Ron, you're live on the air with us here. Go ahead. What's your question? And your comment? <laughs>
2: Okay, my comment is uh, it seems to me like some of the more liberal views, even among professing Christians, uh, begin to violate some of the basic uh, Christian beliefs, Christian principles. And, uh, you know, we're, we're warned all through the Bible to watch out for false teachers and apostates. So, so uh, how, I have not read your book. How, how do you deal with that?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, Ron. Uh, let me let me get you a copy of the book too, but I want you to hold on for Dan's answer, uh, and then we'll jump on. Um, our producer will jump on and give you a copy of the book. So, Dan, I mean, so for me, like, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, what Ron said. I mean, I think, for example, uh, I'm very concerned about the unborn. You know, I, I, I don't, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm really concerned that I think a hundred years from now we're going to look back at the way America treated the unborn mm-hmm. and with just, with just horror, and, and, um, and, you know, I, I would. I, I could give five or six areas where I'm like, well, I just have strong views on this. So what do you do sure. when people have, where the culture is wrong on issues, where it's not just, it's not right? Um, you know, we've heard people speak of immigrants and refugees in ways that are dehumanizing and more. I, I spoke up on that. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? And how does your book help me to do that?
1: <laughs> well, this is a complex question that would uh, be better over a cup of coffee, but I really appreciate it. The, yeah, that's real, the, that's really nice, but my, we don't have
0: a cup of coffee, so this is the conversation we're having right now. You and I have had coffee together, but this is I'm not that. <laughs> no,
1: I'm with you. So yeah, so my, you know, my best answer is that um, to move towards people that um, we we disagree with, that we believe hold beliefs that are not um, truthful according to the scriptures, um, doesn't mean that we don't have opinions that we don't have. Uh, a place that we stand in. Uh, th- this is what we see in Jesus, that Jesus was able to have dinner, uh, literally have a meal with both uh, the tax collector and the Pharisee and the prostitute. He was able to dwell at the table with people uh, that uh, he disagreed with and who held um, moral stances that were abhorrent um, this is this is my challenge. Is that um, we are we're no longer actually moving towards dwelling and having a meal with people that we disagree with. Instead, we're moving towards uh, just talk, tossing truth bombs at people and hoping that that would wake them up. Um, I I don't think that works. Um, I've actually been in that space many many times. Uh, so the invitation I think is to actually follow the way of Jesus, which is to actually move towards our enemies uh, around food, around conversation, and start to ask questions. Um, this, is, this is something Jesus did that probably irritates most of us. Uh, he asked more questions than he gave answers. Uh, mm. And, you know, every good theologian, you know, knows that. Jesus asked so many questions. Um, and I think that questions break open space for people to explore uh, what they believe, why they believe it, where those beliefs are rooted in. Um, even when Jesus was accused and given like a, a trick a trick uh, question, he would respond to that trick question with another question. Um, Jesus was able to, um, he, I think he was a revealer. And rather than revealing through just uh, giving an argument, he gave a lot of questions to reveal. So my response would be, with people you need to believe, disagree with let's go ask some
0: more questions okay we're going to continue our conversation with dan white in just a moment and kind of i'm going to come back to that a little bit too with your calls 877-548-3675 Hey, we're back. And I love the fact that our phone lines are just lit up with folks wanting to call in and have this conversation. Dan, I think this is awesome. This is why I wanted to have you on in Puerto Rico when we were there. You're still in Puerto Rico. I'm here and it snowed last night and it's freezing and it's raining and you're living in paradise. I've sat on the porch there and I've sat down with, by the, oh my gosh. And it's a wonderful place. The Caneo Center place for, and they have cohorts that uh, pastors and church leaders kind of walk through together working towards greater emotional, relational, and spiritual health. And then the Caneo Center itself is part of that process as well. We have a link to that. I think we have a link. To that. I'm going to check and see. You. And Karen, if we don't, let's put it up there to the Caneo Center uh, there at edstetzerlive.com. Also, if you go to edstetzerlive.com, you can find all of Dan's links as well, including a link to the book that we're talking about here today, Love Over Fear Facing Monsters, Befriending Enemies, and Healing Our Polarized World. It's actually a Moody Publisher's book, and we're having a fascinating conversation with Dan about it. So I want to come back to the question uh, because sometimes I, when people hear things like we got to heal the divide, right? We got to heal our polarized world, um, befriending our enemies, uh, that the, what they hear is we got to drop our convictions. And um, I want to kind of unpack that a little bit because, I mean, you kind, of, you kind of pointed to Jesus and he certainly didn't drop his convictions. So, how do we not confuse those things?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think there's a difference between convictions and posture. Mm-hmm. Um, convictions are those beliefs that we hold um, of how humans should be treated or not be treated, whether they're born or unborn. You know, the. We ha- we, these deep convictions are, um, are just unmovable for us. But then our posture is different than our convictions. I think we get those confused. Our posture is how we actually relate with someone that we disagree with, um, how we um, sit with them, how we treat them, how we talk about them. Um, so I see this in my marriage. Uh, there's things that I disagree with my wife about. But my posture towards her is often the thing that actually that, that, um, that stokes the fire of an argument. It's, it's not that I disagree. It's how I'm disagreeing with her, uh, whether that's using uh, my tone. Uh, it's whether I'm exaggerating, something that I think she did. Uh, we all know the difference, but we get them blurred quite often. So my, you know, my challenge is to look at Jesus and his posture with people doesn't change the fact that he had convictions. Um, And actually, those convictions come out in really winsome and beautiful and, uh, you know, kind of intriguing ways when he's sitting at the table. They're not always direct. Sometimes they come from sideways or slant or through a story or a parable uh, that we know has a deeper truth. Uh, Jesus always had convictions, but his posture was very different. Um, and I think the culture is is us to, to have a certain kind of posture towards those who we see as our theological or political enemies. Um, and that's, that's the thing that I'm addressing.
0: Yeah. Well, let's jump into some of our calls. we got lots of folks who want to jump into the conversation, and we'll kind of walk through this. Let's go to Judy in Chicago. Judy, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment?
3: Hi. Um, my question, without um, having read this awesome-sounding book, is... Um, is Dan recommending in his book the pretty much same process, regardless of type of relationship, whether or not it's more casual friendships versus family with deep ties and history?
0: It's a great question, Judy. If you'll hold on the line, we're going to give you a copy of Dan's book, uh, and just you know, but listen to his answer first. But then our producer will come on, give you a copy of Love Over Fear. Dan, what do you think?
1: Could you, could you help me with that question? I, I couldn't hear it that well.
0: Oh, no worries. No worries. Judy, I'm going to put you back on the air so we can say it again. Judy, go ahead and ask that one more time.
3: Um, I'm wondering if your recommendation is a process that would be the same for type of relationship. You, it, would you do it the uh, same way with casual acquaintances Versus, or you know, limited, or family with deep, strong connections good. in history.
1: Good, good, good. What do you think? Right, that's, that's a really good question. Uh, I think there's there are overlaps, similarities. Um, in in my book, I talk about the compassionate curiosity pathway, and it's actually a discipleship process that you move towards when you're engaging someone that you would see as uh, uh, you know having some maybe some contempt or disagreement or disgust even sometimes with. But when it comes to family members, uh, obviously there's, uh, that, that those kinds of conversations are more loaded. There's history, there's past wounds and injuries. Um, and so I think there actually is some difference in how you engage someone That's uh, where you have uh, you know, a relational, whether it's familial, family, history, or if it's someone that is is not, I think there is some difference there, um, but I do think the practices that we have to learn about how to ask good questions, uh, how to be curious, how to practice compassion, how to uh, uh, how to break up space with uh, with stories, um, I think all those practices should be learned no matter who you're engaging with. Um, so I don't know if that helps at all.
0: Oh, that helps it helps me. That's good. So, Judy, hang on the line, too. We're going to give you a copy um, of the book as as well. We're going to go to Peter down in Florida, where it's not as warm and sunny as it is in Puerto Rico, but it's nicer than it is in Chicago. Peter, you're live on the air.
2: Yeah, you're right. It's always sunny here. Um, <laughs> really serious question, brother. Really, I, um, the, I believe the key is that we are not properly discipled uh, as far as our churches and our groups. You know, we, we hear the message and you know, we feel like we got it and we go away. We get our convictions. And when people ask us questions, you know, uh, is same-sex marriage good or bad? No, it's wrong. Um, it's obviously mm. going to hurt somebody. Uh, but the bottom line is, you know, sin is so prevalent in our society, all around me, all around our town, the schools. It's getting worse and worse. It has to be a point in time where we have to stop apologizing and, you know, we have to do what is right, we can't these people don't get it. They don't nobody gets it. Nobody wants to hear tough love anymore. I don't like to hear it. But if I wanna be a Christian and I love God and the people in the church, if you wanna know if you wanna love God, then you gotta do what he asked us to do. I mean there's no yeah. there's no gray area. No gray area.
0: Well, let's have let's have Dan weigh into that too. You'll hold on, Peter. And by the way, um, I think Peter grew up somewhere other than Florida with that accent, and I love that because I grew up in New York. Um, but uh, but let's talk about that. So, I mean, Peter is reminding us that there are biblical teachings about these things that are really are now out of mainstream culture. And this is where it gets tricky, right? So now you're out of mainstream culture. Most of the world around you doesn't believe these things anymore. So, how do you articulate some of those convictions? And he started by saying it's a discipleship issue. Now you've said there's a discipleship pathway. Mm-hmm. Unpack a little bit. Unpack. Oh, and Peter too. I think I, I think I said this. Stay on the line, and we're going to give you a copy after Dan's answer of Dan's book. But go ahead and unpack how this relates to discipleship and spiritual formation for us.
1: That's good. Ed. Yeah, I, the way that we um, are invited to engage this is is as a missionary, not a warrior, and that's a big difference. Uh, when you start to understand that the, the society and civilization you live in is not primarily submitted to the Lordship of Christ, you enter as a missionary. And a missionary posture is one that is uh, is coming in as curious, as one who is coming in seeking, understanding, listening to the, the missionary context. And when we're engaging right now in a uh, uh, time period of time in our life where we feel like the entire culture is not modeling um, a, a moral or, a, or or an ethic of justice that we think is rooted in scripture. Uh, it's not our job to to fight it as warriors. It's our job to enter it as missionaries. And discipleship is what uh, trains us and develops us to live in a context that's foreign. That is not ours. That is unlike us. Uh, that is uh, other, and I th- I find that most uh, Christians who attend church actually haven't experienced the discipleship process of how to be a missionary in a context that is not Christian um, or is is you know espousing to the scriptures as their authority. And so the more and more we're seeing and uh, hearing and in uh, that, you know, that certain morals are no longer um, should, be, should be in our schools or should be in our life or should be something that we, we, we follow. Rather than reacting to, uh, to fight those and push them back, I'm inviting people to actually enter in as a missionary. And this is because I'm more concerned with transformation than winning the argument. And I think that's a big shift as well. Um, you can win an argument and lose the battle, um, and you can win an argument and not, not experience transformation in a relationship. Um, and so that's, that's the invitation. I, 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 I know that might feel uh, unsettling and, and, and precarious for people, but many of the best missionaries were able to enter into very lost um, and even ungodly spaces uh, without demonizing the place that they were actually a missionary sent to.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's it's complicated. The you know I'm my PhD is in mission, so that's my typical posture as well. So I want to relate to what you're saying. There are other people who will be culture creators. That's not the space I'm in. Some people culture defenders are speaking up on cultural issues and. And, uh, you know, representing us in the public square and more. But I, I tend to be in that space of mission as well. We're going to talk more with Dan White, Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Taking your calls in just a moment. Hey, we're back. Dan White's my guest. let uh, me well, also mention thanks to our behind the scenes team here at Moody Radio. My producer Karen Hendren, uh, Eric Tidwell's on the phone. Ryan McConaughey has been filling in for us as engineer today. He told me just before uh, we came back on the, on the on the program that he had listened in the background and at the at the Caneo Center, he's hearing chickens and. I guess roosters. I don't know here hearing. And, and I, 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 when I was when I stayed there, Don and I were just struck by the fact, Dan, that it sounded like you know the sound. The Rainforest Cafe is sort of like you go there, and you know it's not really like that. It's really like that where you go to sleep every night there at the Caneo Center. So it's, it's the the level of noise is just fascinating. I'm I've grew up outside of New York City, so I'm used to urban noise. That's a whole different kind of noise, but. Yeah. Fascinating context and yeah. doing such good work there at the Caneo Center, um, at Kaneo Center mm-hmm. as well. Do you, have, do you have people staying there right now and going through the process with you?
1: We do. Yep, yeah. we have a pool house and uh, we have you know pastors from a few different states that are here for a week, processing pain and finding rest, and uh, and then finding uh, uh, a long day in the pool is helpful.
3: <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs>
1: And we That's and awesome. we do have uh, some we do have some roosters and chickens uh, just right crawling through our property right now. So,
0: oh, I remembered. I remembered. So, so just for the break, we were talking a little bit about how you know you and I you know we're church planners by background. We sort of look at mm-hmm. the missionary engagement in culture. It seems that I, I've written that there are three ways to engage culture: culture engagers, culture defenders, culture uh, culture makers. And you know, mm-hmm. I. Tend to be in that missionary lane. You tend to be in that missionary lane, and I'm, I'm thankful for others. Yes. It's not mainly what I do, but but it, it does seem to be the thing right now that people talk the least about. In other words, I think yeah. everyone would agree we got to stand up for certain things. Okay, we, we I don't think we have difficulty persuading people of that. Uh, less people would right. agree we need to be culture makers. I wish more did. Andy Crouch's book is helpful on that, um, but. We're encouraging people to, to be missionaries to culture and context. So some of the questions sort of come uh, in and around those issues. Yes. Um, let me let me let's go to uh, Nikki in Barrington, Illinois. Who I think might relate to that as well. Nikki, you're live on the air. Go ahead.
3: Good morning. Um, I do not have the book, but I am fully engaged in this conversation. Um, Love it. And so my comment would be: I agree with so much. Um, I kind of feel like what has happened is that there is more of an emphasis on the law versus grace, and Mm. uh, compassion gets lost if our focus is on the law. Laws don't transform hearts, they don't transform lives, but we know the grace that we were Mm. saved by has the power to do that. Mm. And so my question to you, um, seeing that I've not read the book yet, is that I am a children's pastor, and though we as adults Mm. are having these roundtable conversations, it is affecting uh, the littlest of saints. And so is there Mm. any practical um, views that you have or suggestions that you have to widen this dialogue, to widen this narrative, to include children. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a Black American Christian, which I know in 2020 was like an oxymoron for some people, Um, but Mm -hmm. I am, and I'm always uh, willing to engage children into this conversation. So uh, because yeah. it's happening now. I mean, it's happening yeah. even yeah. In, in, yeah. in classrooms, in church classrooms, where you see them kind of breaking yeah. off. And it's not that they have a firm foundation, it's that they're hearing the narrative of those around them. Um, yeah. And so yeah. do you? can you speak on that? Can you kind of weigh yeah. in on well, let me, how to yeah, start let me the dialogue you, for the community?
0: Yeah, let me, let me solve your not having the book problem. So hold on, we're going to give you a copy in just a second. Our producer coming to line after Dan answers. But what a great question, Dan. What do you think?
1: Yes, uh, man, that is Nikki. That's a that's a, a beautiful passion you have to help raise uh, children from the very early age to uh, into this. Um, I think it starts. It, it does. When my I have a five year old, um, and we believe that at the heart of the gospel is enemy love. It's it's believing that God loves his enemies. He loved me when I was an enemy, and now from that full well of enemy love, I'm invited to love. Uh, my enemies in real life. And so uh, what we do with my little guy named Ari is uh, we help him name those people in his life that um, he feels like he doesn't like or people he feels like are different than him or people that he feels have threatened him. Um, Whether it's, uh, you know, in some ways they, they treated him poorly on the playground and we we're asking at dinner every night consistently, um, how can you love that person? Um, and, you know, from there, there's a lot of discernment and discussion, but we've just introduced that part of the gospel into his life um, where, you know, like I think Ed was saying earlier, that we're, it's not hard to convince people what they believe. My son is growing in, in what he believes, according to our studies in the, the Word and worship. Um, but when it comes to the practicalities of loving someone that is different than him or he doesn't like or he feels threatened by, I think that's the place in children's ministry to start helping kids awaken to that. Mm.
0: Yeah, so good, so good. We're going to try to squeeze in one more call. We're coming up near the end of the program, but I'd love to hear from Marvin in Gray's Lake. Marvin, you're live on the air with your question, your comment. Go ahead.
1: Uh, I'd like uh, uh, Pastor White to comment on the role of, of prayer in, in all this. It's, it's awful hard to remain angry with somebody you're praying for. Wow,
0: that's so good, so good. And Marvin, hold on the line. We're going to give you a copy of that book. But what, what do you think, Dan? We got a couple minutes left.
1: <laughs> Marvin, that, I mean, I don't have much more to say than Isn't that awesome? uh, This whole process, of, yeah, this whole process of loving somebody, if it's not soaked in your presence with God and how you are, your own heart is being transformed in praying for them, then. You, it's going to be really hard to practically um, have conversation with that person. So I'm, I'm completely with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good, good, good. Great question. Don't we have the greatest callers here? It's, it's, um it's, we, let me go, let me put one more Joe in Chicago. If you can be quick, we'll squeeze in your call. Go ahead, Joe from Chicago.
1: Oh, okay. Thanks. Uh, first of all, I appreciate it so much. Uh, I just, my wife is a licensed professional counselor and she was helping me to understand when we get in an enemy mode and we have to mm-hmm. realize that, when people are emotional charged, you can, it, there can't be a conversation. You have to realize that these are we're all made in God's image and likeness. They may not be a Christian, but they're all made in, in God's image and likeness. So yeah. if we could step away from the emotional charge yeah. and out of enemy mode, we might have a better chance.
0: Oh, Joe, that's so great. great! But hold hold on a line, Joe. Too, I want to give you a copy uh, of the book. And again, to remind everybody, it's uh, we're talking about conquering fear with love. In a sense, it, the title of the book is "Love Over Fear: Facing Monsters, Befriending Enemies, and Healing Our Polarized World." It, I, I really like the way um, the way Joe put it. We're get into enemy mode. It seems the whole world's in enemy mode. Yeah. Kind of your last thought about a, about a minute or so left how would you encourage us? I want to encourage people to get the book, right? So so pick up the book. It's called uh, Love Over Fear. But how would you encourage us in a world on fire and divided to, to get from enemy mode and choose
1: love over fear? Yeah, I'm just going to riff off of that last caller. Um, yeah, Jesus came to show us what God looks like, but he also showed us how to see people. And every person carries in them the image of God, the Imago Dei. And this is the deposit of God's fingerprints on everyone. And that that vision, that eyes to see and ears to hear, um, slows us down when we start seeing someone as our enemy, as a monster, uh, as someone who should be um, shut down or silenced. Christians are called to see people very differently. They're, they're, they're supposed to they're being invited to see people beyond the culture wars beyond political stances and see something that's truer about every person and that is god is everyone is made in god's image that changes the way we relate um that changes the way our posture relates with others uh and so yeah that's that's what i'd like to leave us with
0: that's a good word, Dan. We're so thankful for you. The book is called Love Over Fear, Facing Monsters, Befriending Enemies, and Healing Our Polarized World. From our friends across the hall, from our radio studios at Moody Publishers, and of course, Dan serves there. I mentioned the Kaneo Center. I mentioned the V3 movement, Praxis Gathering, lots of other things he's engaged and involved with. You can find all those things at edstetzerlive.com. All the links are right there. Our team puts those up for you, makes it easy in one place. To hear today's program again. You'll find it at edstetzerlive.org. Just in a few minutes, it'll be, be get posted again or on the Moody Radio app where you can find all our programs. You can also connect with us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Ed Stetzer Live. And Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, which itself is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to talking again next week.